Good. If you have Bibles with you, would you please turn to Exodus chapter 3? It's great to be together this morning in the presence of God. Uh, I personally am very glad to be here. Uh, For those who are part of the church here, uh, you know you don't see me very often. I am a member of this church. I'm part of it. This is my home base. Uh, I appreciate all the love, prayers, and support as I have to travel quite a lot. The last few weeks have been quite interesting. Uh, For instance, last weekend we were in France, the weekend before that in Morocco, the weekend before that in Denmark, and the weekend before that in Norway, and the weekend before that in France again. So it's great to be home. And this is home, and there's nothing like God's family, and this is just a great place to be. This autumn as a church... uh, You, we, are doing a series on uh, encounters with God, so that we understand that walking with God is not just a matter of uh, sort of blind obedience or just reading the Bible and doing what it says or somehow trying to train yourself or school yourself into one way or another, but it is about meeting God, walking with God. Now, we don't have great encounters with God every day. Probably because we don't need them quite like that, but we do have significant encounters, and our relationship with him is clear and steady uh, and, uh, and good for us. Um, and so we're trying to pick out some of these stories of encounter and saying, and actually, does God want to meet us that way as well? Um, now... The story that we're reading today is about Moses, who I have to say is one of my heroes. Now, obviously, when we think about Moses, we think, you know, one of the founding fathers of the Old Testament, uh, you know, saw God do all sorts of miraculous things. But I think we need to understand that he didn't begin that way. He started, although he had a sort of privileged background in some ways because he was raised in Pharaoh's court, he was really desperately insecure. He didn't quite know who he was. I mean, he knew he was a Jew, but he was raised in, uh, in Pharaoh's palace. Uh, was he Jewish? Was he Egyptian? He was from the smallest tribe uh, in, uh, the, amongst the Jewish people anyway. He almost died at birth. He was rescued from that, and he knew he'd been rescued from that. At the same time, uh, in identifying with his people, there was huge anger with him at the injustice in Egypt against the Jews. And this anger rose up within him in such a way that he ended up murdering somebody at a certain point. And one... You know, and he had to run away to hide and to find refuge somewhere else. So he was not the archetypal sort of church leader. Uh, he was insecure. He was troubled in his own heart and spirit. He had a record. Uh, and the story that we're going to read is of God taking hold of him in order to set him on a new course, a different course, for which some of his background had prepared him, and yet some of his background had not prepared him terribly well, and he felt desperately insecure about this whole 
process. So this is the story that we take up this morning in Exodus chapter 3. Let's read it together. So I want to talk to people who may have all sorts of conflicting emotions. Um, Even when people talk about encounter with God, that may trouble you because perhaps you've desperately searched or looked for some sort of encounter with God and it's not come close to you that easily. I am one of those people and you know actually the truth is we need to set one another free and understand that we all experience God in slightly different ways according to our personality and in according to some of the experiences that we walk through. We need to understand that and I want to set everybody free this morning from some expectation that it has to be this way. Because God is able to meet us in a way that suits us and our personality. Uh, well, it suits us. I mean, God's able to do it. It's as simple as that. I don't know if any of you have had the sort of experience that I have, that I've had in being in some meetings where people get prayed for. And, you know, there's some great man of God who's praying for people and they run along the line and tap it and it goes ding, ding, zing, zing, zing. And I'm left here standing on my own, solid as the rock of Gibraltar. You know, a thousand may fall at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee, is the sort of thing that you feel. Uh, you know, so if you don't feel much, join my club. Okay, because there are some of us who don't feel that much. Um, hearing God is a little bit like that. Uh, we all hear God in slightly different ways. My wife, Lorraine, she hears God like that, zoom, bang, black and white. She knows what God is saying. And, you know, I remember the day I came home, drove up the driveway. She opens the door. That's not always the case either. She opens the door. She meets me there and she says, God's spoken to me today. We're going to move house. I said, well, that's very nice for you, but he hasn't spoken to me yet, so give me some time, please. And I mean more than a few hours, because she also likes other people to get it as fast as she does. That's the problem. So, uh, you know, a few months later, I came to the conclusion that she might be right. Now, that's the way it works for me. I'm the sort of person who plays with lots of ideas, and I'm trying to help some people this morning. You know, that for some of you, it will be black, white, bang. You know what God's saying. You hear God like that. For others of you, it will be much more gradual, trying to, you know, what I like about the story of the birth of Jesus is shepherds, there they are on the field, bang, a choir of angels. That's one way to hear God. The wise men followed the star for a couple of years while they were trying to work it out. Isn't that liberating? Some of us are going to get angels and... And I hate the testimonies. Don't you hate other people's testimonies when it comes... Zunk! You know, choir of angels. I saw an angel over in the corner. Looks like a wall to me. Uh, You know, and so we're all slightly different. Uh, and, And for me, it's it's playing with things, thinking about things, praying about them, going through a process, and a growing conviction that this is what God's saying. So however it works for you, God wants to meet you some way. God wants to speak to you some way. He's a speaking God. This morning already, some of people will have been spoken to by a line of a song in the worship. Others, it may have been something that was prayed, something that was prophesied. And for some of you, you will relate more to the preaching that's about to come. 
That's the way we are. We're all slightly different. But please don't say it has to be this or it has to be that or put burdens of expectation on yourselves or on other people for the encounter with God this way. Because God is remarkably diverse. But we can still learn some things from other people's encounters and especially this one of Moses. So let's read it, Exodus chapter 3. You know this story well, I'm sure. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. You understand he was a pagan priest. He wasn't a Jewish priest. He was a pagan priest from another sort of people group, as it were. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. We're going to stop there. Unfortunately, this story goes on into chapter 4. I've made a decision to stop there, but to tell you a little bit more of the story as we go through. Now, I'm glad to be here today, but this message is for you. Okay, I offer it to you, because God wants every one of us to know that we are called... We're called in a variety of ways. We're called to be part of his family and to know our Heavenly Father's love. 
We're called to be part of his church and to live in fellowship with all of God's people. We're called to life and salvation in Christ, which is a very rich life of walking with God. We're called to live in this daily relationship with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which is a wonderful gift. Uh, And we're called to play a significant part in God's purpose here in the earth. God has appointed good deeds for every single one of us to walk in, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us. So uh, we're all called. They're called to a specific call, which we're going to be thinking about a little bit later in the meeting, but God wants us all to know that we are called. God has a way of getting our attention. And obviously, he had a very powerful way of getting Moses' attention. He sees a totally miraculous occurrence in this bush that was on fire but didn't burn up. He understands this is miraculous, unusual, and it's something that he needs to take note of. And he stops to have a look at this miraculous thing that's going on. God has a way of getting our attention, uh, and he wants to make himself unmistakably plain in our lives. And I say this without hesitation. When you're faced with different circumstances, and it may occasionally be to do with breakdown of relationships or failure of one sort in our lives, one way or another, or you know, coming up against brick wall obstacles that we don't know the way through, or when things start to go, God has a way of getting our attention. And we ought to take note of that. And when we sense that God's trying to get our attention, we need to stop and look for his fingerprints, as I've called them here, because sometimes there are things happen, nothing happens to you and to me by accident, if we believe in the sovereign God. Nothing happens by accident. So whatever is going on, God's doing something. But sometimes we're just aware that there are things that are in front of us and God's trying to get our attention. Uh, He may do it in all sorts of different ways, as I'm suggesting to, to you, but he wants to get our attention. By the way, I have just been enjoying over the last two or three months reading a very, very refreshing book called, and I I mention this because Keith prophesied it this morning, Um, and I believe that's what Rachel was singing about as well. This book is by a guy called Gerald Sitster called Water from a Deep Well, and what it basically examines is how lots of Christians right the way through the centuries have found God in their own life and it's just a very very refreshing book and it says God comes to people in all sorts of different ways even those desert fathers who used to sit up a tree you know for a couple of years or something what was that about has that got anything to do with our sort of spirituality but actually it's a very refreshing book says God actually has a way of meeting all sorts of people he wants to make himself unmistakably plain. I love one of my favorite stories. is a story of Hudson Taylor. Now, Hudson Taylor was the founder of China Inland Mission, working uh, in, in the Far East in significant ways. Uh, Hudson Taylor was an ordinary man like you and me. He wrestled out uh, you know, what he was going to do with God on the seafront of Brighton, 
uh, well, Brighton Seafront. He walked along there wrestling with God, you know, do, you know, the privilege of knowing Jesus was so important to him, the life that he enjoyed with Jesus, he began to realize that everybody in the world needed to know, and should he go to China uh, to share the life of Jesus? And it was as he was walking along the seafront in Brighton that he came to the conclusion that this was his call. This was God speaking to him at this time. He wants to make this encounter unmistakably personal. So, Moses goes to have a look, and he hears the voice saying, Moses, Moses, it's about you. Now, some of us don't like uh, this sort of encounter very much, but he does want to make his encounter of us personal. He wants you to know this morning that not only did he call you to be saved through the blood of Jesus, not only did he call you to be part of the family, but he has good deeds appointed for you in this life of yours. Uh, And that's how it is. Uh, And he's probably waiting to tell you somehow, give you some inkling of what they are. And if you will stop, you will hear that Moses, Moses... The voice of God making it immensely personal. Immensely personal. What's more, he wants our call to be clearly pointed. And this is what I mean by this phrase. I hope you notice I've got three Ps in here. I'm a preacher, for goodness sake. He wants to make it plain, he wants to make it personal, and he wants it to be pointed. But I just, in case you didn't see the subtlety of that, I thought I would just highlight it for you. God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, but it was not for Moses. The call of God was not about him, it was about them. It was about God's people, Israel, who were experiencing oppression and injustice and God wanted to set them free. And so Moses is called to this high calling Uh, as a leader in Israel, but it wasn't for him. It was for them. And he wants us to understand that if he's calling us to good deeds in him, and that is what he is calling us to, it's not for us, it's for others. Thank you. Okay, good. And here I want to say one final thing. The audience of one that Moses is in at this point is life-defining. And what God is most interested in, and I think we all need to understand this, is not just that we're part of his people, his church. And we're the sort of church that thinks about relational life and being the family of God, and that sort of thing, very, very strongly, being a community of God's people. That's what we want to be. But the most important thing in the midst of that is the audience of one, that every one of us knows that we are plugged into Jesus Christ himself who has purposes for our life. And this audience of one, when we walk with him, becomes life-defining. The phrase I got from a book by Os Guinness uh, entitled The Call. It's a powerful book, and if any of you want to read that, I highly recommend it to you. This sense of call is essential for us all, and I'll tell you why. 
because it is possible to drift through life and drift through our discipleship and drift through our walk with God. But then when all the stuff comes up, because there will be stuff that comes up, difficult situations to work through, relationships that don't go, don't go straightforwardly, choices to make about career or life or whatever it is, we're often in a sea of wondering uh, what we're supposed to be doing. But if we understand a sense of call, that God is calling us, that clarifies a whole load of things. And I want just to show you this, because I I sense this is so important, and it never goes away. (laughs) Uh, And many of us are walking this. And I'm, in a sense, giving some testimony here as well, because, because the call really changes how we live. So first of all, the call defines ministry. It defines what we're up to and what we're doing. This was going to set the course for Moses' life for the foreseeable future. Just like any call that we see in the Bible changed the course of people's lives and sets the course for their life. You know, Amos, wandering around in a field with his sheep, hears a call of God, goes and starts prophesying because of the call of God, ends up getting into trouble at what is called the king's, uh, the king's shrine, uh, where Amos shouldn't have been prophesying. People say to him, what are you doing prophesying here? He says, listen, I didn't look for this. I was simply a shepherd prophesying to the sheep, and God called me, and now here I am. See, it defined his life. Jeremiah, right the same, a young man, but he, the call, the encounter with God defined who he was going to be. So it defines your ministry. It entails servanthood, because ministry means servanthood. You're there to serve others. Moses was there to serve others. Uh, grumbling people who, you know, got into trouble in all sorts of different ways. Moses was there to serve them and to serve God in the midst of them. All ministry is servanthood. In Greek, it's the same word as some of you understand. There we go. Uh, The call limits your freedom. Now, this is something that we don't like sometimes. We sometimes kick against it. If I'm going to do this, does that mean... I can't do that. Well, yes, absolutely. It can't be any other way. (laughs) If you're called to do this, you can't do that. (laughs) Unless that fits in with this call. If that fits in with this call, then you can do that. But you can't do it otherwise. So it does limit your freedom. Sometimes it's good to wake up to that. Sometimes think of some of these athletes who train, you know, for their high calling in life, you know, to win a gold medal or something and, and they give themselves and give themselves and give themselves and they don't care that their freedom to do other things is limited because they've got a call which is, you know, so it limits your freedom. That's great. It then gives you authority. If you know that you are doing what you're doing because God has called you to it, It doesn't matter what other people think, but you have authority to fulfill the call of God because he's called you. Okay, so this is ever so important. And there are places I know where I have authority because I'm doing what God has called me to do. It's as simple as that. 
It's as simple as that. So, it, yes, it limits your freedom, but it gives you authority. That's the whole point of a core. Fifthly, however, it involves destiny. I would like to appeal to this great side of our human motivation that every one of us has a destiny in God. We are not just drifting through life hoping for the best. We have a destiny in God somewhere to count for him. You're not just an accidental person living in a certain neighborhood by, ac- you know, by some means of luck. That's not the way it works. And if you feel like you know, some odd person living somewhere by accident, can I suggest <laughs> do you perhaps need to go back to God and say, God, I think I need to be clearer than this and to know where I'm going. And I thank you that you have appointed good deeds for me to walk in. Now, please, will you let me find them? So I have authority to do them and clarity about my life and I can start to enter into my destiny in God. And this call resolves all issues of disappointment because thus says the Lord, you will face disappointment in life because we live in a fallen world and there are disappointing things that happen. You have expectations and hopes and dreams. They don't always work out the way you want. It resolves the sense of not being appreciated by others. And thus says the Lord, not everyone will like you all the time. You understand I'm trying to prophesy this morning the word of the Lord, which is clear and definite. And we have dreams and hopes that everybody will like us all the time. Everybody will understand us. Everybody will, you know, want what we've got on offer and all the rest of it. It doesn't work like that. Okay. Or occasionally you just think, I was going to say a phrase I won't say, but I've had enough. Uh, I don't know that I can do this. And I don't want to do it any longer with these people here and facing a brick wall and, you know. But when you know you're called, you think to yourself, I'm not looking for appreciation. I'm trying to, simply trying to be a bit like Amos. I'm trying to be, fulfill this call of God. I mean, God called me here. Well, he's going to stand by me here and he's going to enable me here. And he's going to help me fulfill his will here. And so the call resolves every issue. And let me say that I have had all of these three things happen to me over 39 years of ministry. But the call resolves it. Love for God. Response to God. Knowing that he's the one who's called us and what a privilege it is to be part of his family and to be part of his purposes in his world and see the kingdom come. And it makes us willing to separate or consecrate ourselves. It's easy to make the decision here and it's a lot more difficult to live the decision there. <laughs> but the call will resolve that issue. Now let me finish off as fast as possible and try Uh, to land this if I can. So, Moses is not very good material for this call that comes sovereignly to him. Uh, But he understands it's God. God's got his attention. 
it's a personal word, it's pointed to God's people, it's all about them, and, and his heart is already joined to them. He himself is mad about the injustice amongst his people. But there were still four transformations that Moses needed to embrace this call and answer the call. And they're all in the story in the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4. But I'll try and explain to you as briefly as I can what they are. Because if we're going to fulfill the call of God on our lives, the high call of God, to shine like stars in his world wherever we are, we will need the same transforming presence of God with us. Let me explain. First one I began to read. The first one was this simple sense of being totally inadequate. I can't do it. Now, at various times, I have asked people to take on some sort of ministry in the church or in the wider Christian world or whatever it may be, who I consider to be well-suited for the thing that I'm asking. They have right sort of gifting, right sort of talents, etc., etc. And my response to Moses' sort of, I can't do it, has sometimes been to say, well, but can't you see? You've got the gifting. You're the right person. Your heart's been here all the time. You've got talents. You've got gifting, etc., etc. Can't you see that? Now, so that's a form of manipulation. I repent wholeheartedly of the times when I have done that. It's wrong. Okay. It also doesn't satisfy. And I'll tell you why. Because deep down, people know they can't do it despite all their talents and all their gifts and all their heart for a certain thing, out of all you know, the gifts that they have in them, they can't do it where they're going. And God does not say what I say to unwilling volunteers. God says, I know, I'll be with you. And where two or three are gathered together in my name, says Jesus, I'm there in the midst of them. God's with us. And this overwhelming feeling that we've heard a call of God on our lives, but we can't do it is okay. God says, I'll be with you. And so he needed to go on a journey from understanding his personal inadequacy to the presence of God who was going to walk with him. Whatever God's calling you and me to, that's a journey we need to go on. It's a transformation we need to go on. Okay, the second transformation is from not knowing God enough to knowing that God is enough. Let me explain what I mean. Moses says to God, because they have a bit of an argument, you understand, they have a tussle over the call. (laughs) So will you. When you understand what God's calling you to, you'll have a tussle about it with God for all sorts of reasons. And he says, but, but what if they say to me, who sent me? I don't know enough about God. I can't talk authoritatively about God. I don't know that I can get through the cultural barriers against God. Who shall I say has sent me? I don't even know your name properly. And God decides to give Moses a new name for himself. Just need two minutes to unwrap this for you if I can. The new name was Yahweh. 
Now, we sing songs about Yahweh, and sometimes we're singing and think, I hope we understand what that means. It's normally translated in our Bibles. Tell them, I am has sent you. So this Yahweh word means I am. But even when you've said that, you haven't really explained what this word is about. In Hebrew, this name of God is most difficult to translate. And it comes out in various ways in our different translations. I am who I am. Does that help you? Well, it doesn't really, does it? Well, you know who you are. You are who you are. But I still haven't quite got this. It's probably better translated, I will be who I will be. And please... You say, well, that's not in my translation. No, but I'm trying to help you understand the nuance of this word, Yahweh. That's why, in various situations, you can tag on another name to God. So, right at the end of Ezekiel, he sees a new city where God's going to do something special. Presence of God going to come in, and there's a name given it, Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. Yahweh is there. Or, you, you all know these, these names. Yahweh, sometimes we, the old way of talking is Jehovah, but Yahweh, Yira, the Lord will provide. That was Abram on the mountain sacrificing his son or a lamb. The Lord will provide. Yahweh, Yira. Or, when Moses had won the victory, or was it Joshua? On the mountain, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. That's all I need. If I just have his name over everything I do, that will do. So, so you can keep adding names to God. The God is my healer. God is my provider. God is my banner. God is there. God is my peace. God is my righteousness. Why? Because he will be everything you need him to be for you in that situation because God is big and Moses was going to learn it's not about knowledge but about experience of God and so the transformation was not knowing God enough and what it's all about and having all the right ideas to knowing that God is enough that's what counts there's tons you don't know And there's tons about God you don't know, but God is enough for every situation. Yahweh will be for you what you need him to be for you. He's big enough. You're pretty small, pretty minuscule. You're pretty small, pretty minuscule, but God is big. That's enough. (laughs) That's enough. And let me finish off these. From fear of rejection, what if they won't receive me? He says, throw down your stuff. I'll show you a thing or two. God's the God who turns up, does miracles. You will see that time again in front of you know, brick walls and God will suddenly show you there's a door and then he'll open the door because God's a God of miracles. And finally he said, well, I don't, I'm not a great talker. But those are transformations that we all need. You want me to be a witness? Well, I don't know what to say. Don't know this stuff about God very much. Listen, some of us have been walking with God for decades and still don't know much about God. It's not about 
this. It's about knowing God's enough. He can break through. He can do his work. He can answer prayer. He will turn up. Someone say, I'm not really a talker. No, no, but God's going to enable you to speak his word one way or another into different situations, into different cultures, in this nation, in a global society. He's going to enable you in ways you never dreamed of as you respond to his call. It won't all happen before, of course. It'll happen as you go. And that's the key. I'd just like to pray for anybody who feels God's spoken to them this morning. Does anybody feel God's particularly spoken to them this morning about something to do with a call, his encounter? If you do, just stand up, because I'd like to pray that God speaks to you in a particular way. It's not to expose anybody, it's just to say, I'd like to pray for those who feel God's particularly spoken to them this morning. There are a number. Uh, so let's just pray that God comes down and confirms his word in a powerful way. Father, thank you that you are a God who chooses jars of clay like us to put your treasure in and to be used for your eternal purposes. I bless you for that, and I thank you for these that feel that God has spoken to them in a specific way. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd make your call clearer and clearer to them, you would make your person bigger and bigger to them. And they might understand and have that conviction that whatever you have said, you are going to do. And I pray that as they put their tiny hands into your big hand, that they will be led by you into every good work that you've appointed for them, for the glory of your name. Amen.